Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, you know how you meet somebody and you have a great conversation with them. And during that conversation, they kind of get that epiphany of, man, I could do something really, really cool with this. So Nate and I had a conversation not too long ago, and he has a badass background. I've been totally stoked in watching his story unfold from a very, very unique position. So I'm going to bring on Nate P.O. today. Let him tell you his story because it's fucking rock and roll. And you guys are going to get a kick out of this one. So, Nate, welcome to the show show my friend please thanks for tell us ah see i got you please tell us your story (laughs) 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 thanks for having me on donnie it's it's cool to be a part of your show and uh, you've been a part of this journey so yeah man maybe it's it's almost come full circle now so I guess this all started for me about three, three and a half years ago. Um, In a nutshell, I had been somebody that had pursued entrepreneurial endeavors. I pursued self-growth. I pursued, you know, chasing goals and, you know, wanted to uh, make it big time, right? All my career. And I had, I guess, maybe put it aside. I just wasn't really focused on it. Right. And I was just kind of hanging out, going through the motions in life, let myself get a little bit chubby. And, uh, this, this salesperson came in, um, had cold called me, right. And said, Hey, I want to come talk to you about your products and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, whatever, like come do this pitch and, um, we'll see where it goes. And, And they came in and, um, after the meeting left, I was just sitting there thinking, wow, this person is awesome. They're going after their goals and dreams. It wasn't like that they were like sold me on their, uh, their product, but they were, I was like just impressed with their like ambition and their drive and their goal setting. And I thought to myself, this person's going to go somewhere and I'm not going to wake up in three years and this person's lapped me because it reminded me a lot of myself when I was younger of just like ambitions and dreams and goals and stuff like this. I was like, I need to like do a better job of what, what I used to do and remember like what I wanted to do. Cause I was just kind of going through the motions. And so that was kind of like this kick in the pants of like, Hey, I need to be out there. I need to be doing more. So I started uh, getting, I started networking a bunch more and, and, and I didn't go out like networking to network. Like, Hey, like if I meet a bunch of people, cool things are going to happen. I just was kind of like, Hey, I need to be more um, intentional about what I was doing. And I wanted to have some big things happen. And I want, and I was also in a space where um, I'd had some, some businesses I'd started up in the past had not done very well and they'd failed, but, I always had this itch I wanted to scratch. So I was kind of thinking like, hey, maybe I should do some sort of advising of businesses um, because then I could help others maybe get the chance to be a part of something that grows up to be something really big, but also not necessarily um, 
quitting my job and working for free and hoping it all works out. So I was kind of like thinking of these things like, hey, if I wanted these things to start happening, I needed to start going and going in, I guess, being in the right places for them to occur. So I just got this kick in the pants, started kind of going out more outside of my comfort zone, meeting people that were going to, you know, influence me to have better success down the road. And so I was doing this for about three years and not with a lot of intent, but more than I had before, just kind of like, okay, I feel like it this week, uh, I'm going to go meet all these people. And then, you know, things would get busy and it kind of slip off. And so I was going up and down, up and down, up and down with it. But I was seeing growth. I was seeing my career take off. And so I, I, about, about a year ago, about this time a year ago, I just was kind of sitting there kicking an idea around probably have been listening to a bunch of Gary Vaynerchuk videos about like, hey, you should document the journey, document the journey. And I was like, hey, that would be kind of cool to document a journey. That'd be kind of cool to do bigger things. That'd be kind of cool to like really lean into um, becoming the best version of myself possible. But I didn't know what that was. I was just kind of like, I don't know what that is. I just felt like I wanted to do more. And I was like, I just had been thinking about it. I was like, how do you like answer a calling that you don't know what the calling is. You're like, hey, somebody wants me to do bigger things, but I don't know what those bigger things are. I don't know how to go it. I don't have a business idea. I'm not a social media superstar. Like, what do I do? And I just kind of like hit me. I was like, hey, every time you've gone out and met people outside of your industry, your network has grown. And when your network has grown, you've increased your value to the people you you do work with and, and stuff like that so i was like what would, what would really happen if in say five years is and because i kind of back up a little bit it's like hey three years had passed and i had started going out and networking and meeting people and my career had grown so i was like what if i did it really really big really really intentional in five years what would that look like and i was like hey that would be kind of an interesting experiment to just try to go connect with as many possible people as I could within five years and see where that journey took me. Because I would get exposed to different ideas, different people, different opportunities. I don't know what they are, but I know that they would appear. And if I was being aware, I could take it, not take advantage of it, be, be opportunistic. I could, you know, take it, make them happen, I guess, for the most part. So I was like, okay, that sounds like something that I should do. And I was kicking the idea around of what it would look like. And then it boiled down to like, well, hey, if you're going to do that, you're also going to have to put yourself out there on social media because you're, you're going to need to attract people in your life, not just always go out there and get that. And if you're going to document it, you have to, you have to talk about it. You just can't hope everybody's going to go see if you're not putting yourself out there. So I was like, that sounds pretty scary. It sounds uncomfortable. And I thought back to some of the businesses that I'd done in the past that failed, and they always got to a point where I was asked to do something that I didn't really feel like I was good enough or smart enough or an expert enough to do, which was like create public representations of the business. I've put yourself out there as an expert that people should trust what you have to say about this. And I was like, hey, every time that came back, like it was always on me that I was telling myself in my head, that I wasn't good enough, smart enough, or an expert enough to do this. So what if I just pushed past that and just said, even if those feelings come up, you just do it anyways. So now I've said, hey, what happens if I go meet as many people as I possibly can? What happens if I stop holding myself back? What would that look like? 
And about the same time, I bumped into somebody else who was doing just that. She had a very successful um, sales career in our industry, and she was leaving it to go be a life coach. And I was kind of like, aren't you crazy? Like, what are you doing? So I asked her, we met for lunch. I said, hey, what are you doing? How are you reconciling? Everybody knows you as this amazing salesperson in our industry, and you're going to leave the industry and go be a life coach. Like, it's kind of like, what are you leaving behind? Like what? And she's like, I'm just called to do this. And, you know, it really doesn't matter what other people think because they're not really thinking about it. And it started dawning on me like, you know what? I didn't really think bad about it. I, I was thinking, you know, I would think bad people might think what I would be doing if I made a switch. But in reality, nobody really cares about what anybody else is mm -hmm. doing. So I was like, you know, you're right. And so I told her what I was thinking. She's like, you have to do it. You have to start putting yourself out there. And it, it's, it's scary at first and it gets easier the more you do it. And I remember going, okay, I'm going to do it. So I was like, it was just completely stupid. I was just like, I'm just going to put a post on Instagram that I'm going to like, you know, put myself out there, get a little uncomfortable with, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, so it's not even really a big deal. She's like, yeah, I do it. And I remember posting it and I was like, oh crap, I can't believe I did that. I need to take that down. I need to delete that. I shouldn't have been vulnerable. <laughs> and, um, and I just left it out there. And then, you know, a few hours later, some people liked and commented. I was like, okay, you know, it wasn't so bad. And so I started doing it a few more times and a few more times. And um, I started talking about some stuff I was going through without the, at the time I was taking a break from drinking and it wasn't like hitting like a rock bottom alcoholic uh, place in my life. But what was happening, it was like, Hey, you know, we, we go to industry events, there's an open bar you know, two to three nights a week, we're having two to three drinks and two to three nights a week turns into five to seven nights. I'm just like, hey, man, I'm just drinking too often. I'm going to take a break. And then I would talk about like, hey, I'm going to um, uh, uh, industry mixer and I'm not going to drink at it. And it's really weird to go and not have a cocktail when you're used to having a cocktail and everybody else kidding. is having one. And they're asking <laughs> you like, hey, why aren't you drinking? And then you're like, you have to explain it, but then all of a sudden people yeah, kind trust of me, if I didn't drink at a, at a happy hour, people would really start to wonder what was wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. They would go, what, what's wrong. And so like you tell people like, Hey, I just, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm taking a break. And you know, if I drink tonight, I'll probably drink tomorrow. And it's just affecting me from some of the other goals I'm chasing. And people started reaching out and saying, Hey, look, I've been in the same boat too. Like I go to these events and I drink because it's there, not because I necessarily want to. And what I started realizing is by putting myself out there, being a little bit more vulnerable, I was being relatable and people were inspired in a sense by what I was doing. And they started saying, hey, you know, you've inspired me to do something else. And it's not necessarily like, hey, I quit drinking and started working out a bunch to get in shape that they did the same. But they're just like, hey, I've realized that it's okay to pursue something I have interest in that I thought other people might have looked bad so i was just kind of like noticing these things happening and i was like all right well maybe what i'll do is i'll create a podcast and that'll probably be another avenue to put my voice out there and on um, this journey i was going on and it also felt really uncomfortable kind of like the social media thing so i launched a podcast and i was all nervous about it i remember the first time i hit, hit um publish and i was like crapping my pants even though the first time you do it's like why worry like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna listen to it right <laughs> yeah so so it's kind of funny and then and then you know COVID hit and i was like okay well now i have 
all this extra time on my hands because I wasn't driving an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half at night from work, three hours back in time. So I was like, okay, I'll just start kind of like pushing out this podcast, doing some more stuff, having more conversations, connecting with people. And so this idea of connecting with people, getting outside of my comfort zone, just kind of like accelerated in March. It just like went a lot faster than I had anticipated it going. And I was pushing out, pushing out, pushing out. I just kept met, meeting more and more people. And the more people I met, they're like, hey, have you met so-and-so over here? Have you met somebody over there? And like the introduction started flowing and I was connected with all kinds of people outside my industry. And I was connected with people in the podcast world. And all of a sudden, like these people, you started like kind of like following their page and following their profiles because they were doing cool stuff. Like now you're having conversations with them. Um, and that kind of led uh, me to you was um, somebody that we know mutually had introduced me to your, to your Facebook group and put me in the like, hey, be in this Facebook group is pretty cool. And I wasn't even really paying attention to being in the group. I was just kind of like, hey, I, I got a lot going on, but I'm scrolling through Facebook. If something's interesting, I'd comment on it. And all of a sudden, like I think I started getting tagged to be introduced to people in the Success Champions Badass group. And I was like... And I was having conversations with them. I was like, these people are like really awesome. Like they're like my kind of people. Like I got to go find out what this is about. And so I started going intentionally into your group, started, you know, connecting with some people. And then we had a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I told you like, hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. And you're like, well, you probably were like, what the fuck are you going to do with this now that you've like, got this idea? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know where the end thing is. It was just kind of like this idea of, if if I go down this path, things will occur, and I knew that there would be opportunities at least, and, and opportunities to build a business around it. But I was kind of in this space where more like it was more like if I do something long enough, somebody will approach me and say, "Hey, we want to we want to do something with you, and here's what it looks like." And it would it would evolve that way, and I was avoiding this idea of starting something myself and putting it out there and the reason why it was is because i i was in a little bit of self-doubt about being of value right like i go and i go to work every day and employers in all my life have paid me a salary for what i do right so so obviously if somebody's paying me for the work i'm performing i have some experience knowledge that's valuable to them it would probably be valuable to other people. But if I had to ask somebody to pay me for that experience or knowledge or whatever, it felt weird and uncomfortable. And I think what was driving it was when I was talking about those earlier failed entrepreneurial ideas, I would go to like these real estate seminars and there'd be like a guy like going, hey, I'm going to teach you how to flip houses and here's this <laughs> kit. And for 800 bucks, you're going to get the secrets to success. And then you run to the back of the room, run your credit card, get this booklet for 800 bucks and you take it home and I open it up. I'm like, this, this is freaking garbage, man. This is mm -hmm. like a word document. That's like, this is supposed to be a legal agreement to buy a house and it's two pages and it's done on word and it has spelling <laughs> or grammatical errors. I'm like, this is like really a ripoff. And I was, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't want to be perceived as one of these get rich quick. Here's my course. Like I'm just totally selling a bunch of garbage. Um, experience and knowledge because I'd been ripped off in the past. And so I was, I was thinking about that again. And I was like, Hey, am I afraid to be charging for my value and my experience? Because I think it should just be given away 
um, cause I'm helping people or am I afraid to charge for it because I don't want to actually ask for it. And I said, I might be, uh, in self doubt about myself being worth a value. And so I, I need to at least question that belief. I need to at least ask and put it out there and, and experience it, right? Go, go, Hey, is this something I'm doing? Cause I'm scared of it. Or is it doing something because it's not in alignment with my mm -hmm. values? And so I was like, I'm going to go out, go out and try to figure it out. And that's where we started having conversations about like, hey, man, you got a, a ton of experience in this idea around networking, around building relationships and about building trust. And I sit on the purchasing side of the table. I'm not in sales and I've never real. I've done sales like through some of the businesses, but I wouldn't say it's ever been a professional mind of being in sales, but I've helped salespeople build better relationships. I've helped give them advice. And so we started talking about that, like, hey, maybe you should create a course or some sort of training for from the buyer side of the table. And I was like, yeah, right. And that sounds kind of crazy. It's crazy talk. So don't ever question my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th I thought about it, right? I thought about it afterwards. I go, hey, why am I afraid of that? And I thought, and, and really it came down to it. It was like, I didn't want to go ask people I knew to pay me money to to help them and i was like okay well let me ask some people i know if they would find it valuable and i i started asking people like hey if i did something like this would you find a value they're like yeah that'd be totally cool and they started like going with ideas of how it could turn into other bigger stuff and the gears start churning and i'm like going hey this does make uh, a lot of sense and so you know through the course of meeting all these people uh, and I think, you know, people come into your life for a reason mm. and no Agreed. introduction is an accident. It's like you meet somebody who meets somebody who meets somebody. And then before you know it, you meet, I, I met you and you made a huge influence in my life recently. And so I started going down this path of creating a course of um, training salespeople uh, from the buyer side of the table, like how to build better relationships. And to me, it's like the first step of a journey of more potential, right? Like I was kind of playing in this right. sea of, okay, I can go do the next 20 to 30 years of my career, right? And I can go do it really good and I can make some good money at it, but I'm going to be swimming in this one pond. But my potential is to be into a bigger pond. I, I have the capacity to influence more people's lives. And so to me, this felt like it's the first step. And like if I was going to get on a freeway and drive from here to Texas, right? So I'm in California to Texas, it's a whole long journey. To me, I've like backed out of the driveway and I've turned right and I'm going to go down to the end of the street, turn left, trick another right, I'm going to get on the freeway. So I've barely even started, but it's really exciting to see where this journey has gone and the potential for where it's gone. And this is only really like from the idea of, of doing an experiment a year ago to taking six months to actually implement the experience to three months after that to create a podcast, which led me to here. So in about 13 months, I've come to a place where I would have never thought possible I would be at. So what could the next four to five years look like? So I don't know if that's the intro story you're looking for. No, I love it, dude. I love it. <laughs> it takes us down a pretty cool path, man. Um, you know, a couple of things. One, well fucking done, dude. You know, a lot of people um, don't actually chase their dreams, right? It stays some sort of dreams. And I love the fact that you kept looking at things and asking the question, why are you scared, right? You know, why is this a fear for you? Why is this popping up now? Because that's a hell of a question that a lot of people won't dive into. 
you know, it, it's, you know, like my story of not knowing what I wanted to do until I turned 40 and it took a traumatic experience for me to get out there. I never wanted to know who I was because I was afraid of, of who I was going to find. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I love this, that, that you jumped into this asking the right questions and, you know, figuring out specifically, you know, what uh, could potentially happen in your world. But now that you've jumped and now you've created this, this business, um, which I, I still think is the absolute most brilliant sales strategy in the world, especially in the B2B sales game of teaching sales from the buyer's perspective. I mean, as a professional buyer, you know, telling people, how do you actually talk to buyers? How do you get connected with them? How do you reach out and how do you touch them is just brilliant. I mean, for the years I sold commercial printing, you know, uh, I could have used every bit of that knowledge because, you know, you don't usually get a peek behind the curtain. But now that you've started doing this, um, how's it been so far uh, taking on this particular journey? It's, it's interesting. Um, it's scary. It's challenging. It's a lot of questioning your beliefs of, of what it is. So I look at it as a red pill, blue pill, like for the matrix, right? right. Like you, you've taken it so you can't un do anything right so now like you have to move forward with this because if i don't then i have like i know if i go right which is not doing it it's a lot of regret a lot of worry a lot of like i should have done and i and i've, and I've done this before in the past like just a simple thing of setting up a natepayo.com website Three years ago, I set up a datepayo.website and then took it down because I didn't know what to do with it. And I just kind of felt stupid having a natepayo.com website. But I look at it and go, what if you had just left that up? What if you had done nothing with it, but just left it up for three years and maybe had done something with it? It would have been in a better place and it would have been doing nothing. So I know I can't go back to doing nothing. Now I have mm -hmm. to go down this path of doing something, right? And so doing something is the focus and so you, i wake up every day and i go okay well i need to to move the needle on some stuff and there's a lot of learning to do and the more i go down this path the more i learn there, there's so much more to learn and there's so much overwhelmed so you get kind of like you know like okay i want to create a course okay like how do you create a course and you find out like there's ways to do it and then you build it and then you're like okay well how do i know my course is even valuable and then you have to go and you have to talk to the people that might take the course you're like hey what are the, the things that you want to know the answers to and they you have these conversations with people and you go oh i do have a bunch of information that would be helpful so then you try to put it and bundle it in a, in a way that that people can learn from it and encourage themselves to grow and then you have to go out and you have to ask people like, hey, I would like you to take this course. And it's kind of spooky to go to people you know and say, hey, um, I, I know we've been doing business for a lot of times, but now I got to ask you to buy something for me. And, and the reception was was um, a lot better than I expected. I thought, you know, I felt, I felt like I was obligating people to do something they didn't want to do or felt uncomfortable with, but, but people were really excited to sign up. Um, they've taken it. And now I've, I've, I'm in this spot too, where it's like, okay, the course is kind of moving out of the beta program into a full on launch, which is another round of scariness, but it's also a <laughs> round of, of frustration because as you're, you're, 
I'm a very impatient person. I think you're a very impatient person. So very we, much so. We like want to go from like, all right, I have, uh, I launched my course. So tomorrow, how come 10,000 people didn't sign up already? Like, right. what, what right. the hell is the problem? So we're not, I'm not patient enough to enjoy this part of the journey as it grows and it builds momentum and the things you need to do to build it. And, um, so, so yeah, I got called down to earth a little bit this week and somebody said, Hey, you got to really focus on what's the task at hand, which is, you know, get to get your customers through, through the, through the course, serve them, build a community and start growing that. And then like these things are going to take a little bit of time. So don't get so worried about like, what's the next step or where this is going to grow to, but get in the moment of build around the community and start growing that. And so that was a good eye opener because I think I was getting really stressed out uh, myself because I was like, hey, things aren't really picking up as quick as they wanted them to. Um, there's a lot to do. And I'm like, I don't know how you get all this done. But a lot of this, like, you know, it takes a lot of time to do in the sense of looking from day one out forward. But you go three months, six months back and look back and you go, oh, it didn't take as long as I thought. And some of the things are just things you put in place. So you don't have to go back to some things you just get done and then you go back and improve them. So it's this overall cycle. It's, it's a journey that it's constantly evolving. So for me, it's, it's really in um, a place where I've been excited how far I've came, but very impatient about going to the next steps and yeah. a little bit of scariness of, I've come this far and I can't go back now. So now I have to do it. And what if I'm doing it wrong? You right. know, you know I, I, I don't watch very much Gary V. Um, but I caught an episode of his one time and there was a young guy that he was talking to and the young guy's like, dude, um, I may have to go get a job because this shit just isn't working. And Gary's like, well, how long have you had your business? And he goes, three months. He goes, three months. Fucker, you should be glad you have any success whatsoever. You know, it takes time to turn. And when I heard that particular interview, I was young in my business. And I thought, fuck, how long do you have to go before it really starts to ramp up and take the turn the corner? And I had to start doing exactly what you did is I had to start looking back on the successes, you know, the successes and everything that, that's been accomplished and put it into a realistic time frame because you know, all that stuff you've done is actually a lot faster paced than most people have ever pulled off, you know, and we have this, it's, it's this odd game of patience with tenacity all in the same token, because, you know, tortoise in the hair, you know, the tortoise is going to win this one because just because they stay in the game longer. Been wanting to change things up a little bit on how we talk about our sponsors and the people who help make this show great. So this is going to be a little bit different style of commercial. Family Fund has been supporting families of first responders for a number of years. And it all started as a idea of Stacy and Michael McGovern who are the founders of Blue Family Fund. And it's a really unique story, but in lieu, instead of me telling you, hear it in Stacy's words of why they started Blue Family Fund. Because I wanted to give back, I wanted to do more. You know, we'd been so successful in our for-profit business 
that um, we looked at each other and we said, you know, how can we, how can we pay this forward? My husband and I, how, you know, how can we pay it back, pay it forward? My grandfather, when I was growing up, always used to tell me, you know, in life you get what you give. And um, I'm a big believer in that. You know, what you put out there, you can sometimes get back threefold. So we really just wanted to do more. We were already helping police officers, you know, with off-duty work. So how could we help the families? You know, as a family of a police officer, I understand that it's just as hard on the family as it is the actual officer. How could we do more for them um, by providing maybe scholarships for their dependents or financial aid for dependents that want to uh, pursue higher education? Stacy is one of the most humble people I know. Uh, their company, Point Blank Safety Services, has employed 200 off-duty police officers for, for several years and success on protecting the freeways, the highways, and everything else has done just amazing things, not only for the state of Texas, but for the lives of the family officers that need additional income as they protect our lives. So for the fact that her and Michael would set up this fund to help the families in times of need, it's really a, a, a beautiful thing. Blue Family Fund is focused on first responders and their families. And recently, Stacy and Michael were able to give a small check to a the family of a fallen police officer. He was a, a husband and a dad, and very touching uh, moment as I watch the video and presentation of the check and you know, I, I wanted to hear from Stacy what it meant to her to be able to do that for that family. It's amazing. Um, the feel I can't I can't even describe the feeling and then you know when you know I don't feel like it's that much money but then when you hand it to them and they they um, break down crying because it's just enough to maybe get them over the next hurdle or obstacle that they've got going on um, it's it's really a great feeling just to be able to to do that and the, the family you're talking about both daughters are actually also firefighters so they're both first responders as well um, so just a total first responder family and um, just to be able to give back to them and, and let them know that there are people that that are going to remember their dad and their husband and there are people that care it's it's a really great feeling One of the things that I think is magical behind the Family Fund is because of the success of Point Blank Safety Services, Stacy and Michael have set up Blue Family Fund to where 100% of the donations go back to the families of first responders. How we're different than maybe some other charities, how we pay all the bills for the, the nonprofit ourselves. So every single dollar donated can actually go directly to a family. So literally 100% of all donations are um, handed forward, you know, to, to either a scholarship or to a, a financial aid for a family that has lost a first responder. Blue Family Fund has been my charity of choice for a number of years now, and it's truly an amazing organization. So if you're a fan of the show, and you like the content we put out there, do me a favor, head over to bluefamilyfund.org and send a little financial love their way. Mm -hmm. No. Um, I think
think that's something to remember is like a lot of people that have started something give up a lot sooner, right? They don't even get to that starting point. Oh, dude, I think to be an entrepreneur, you got to be an idiot. And what I mean by that is most logical people would have thrown in the towel where the rest of us have kept going. You know, and you've got to be one foot dumb or, or psychotic or just flat out nuts to continue to put yourself through that. But that's how you get to freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so now you are stepping into your own, becoming the best version of Nate. Um, what's that like finding out your strengths and what you're made of and, and all of that? Because I, I really just don't think enough people spend enough time really diving into themselves. So, so what's that journey of finding you really been like? Um, it's, gosh, that, that one's been eye-opening as, as well, because, y- you know, you look, for, for me, I was like, hey, I, I felt like a calling, and I wasn't sure what it was. I just felt like I, I needed to impact more people. And I was scared to put myself out there and scared to share my story. And as I started looking within myself, um, you realize like, not just me has a gift, but everybody has a gift, right? Uh, And their gifts influence others and they provide, you know, a better sense of purpose for other people. And some people's gifts are very big and very broad, and maybe they serve millions and millions of people. And some people's gifts might be, they just make really good blueberry pie and they make like a really small community, very happy when that's brought to the to the potluck. But you have a gift and your your obligation is to share it with the world because you don't know who's paying attention and whose influence you might mm-hmm. not make. And so just this week even too, I had a conversation with a, a guy I met on LinkedIn um, early on in, in March, right when COVID kind of happened. And I was just kind of launching the podcast and I was starting to be inspirational. And we had a conversation and he was a little bit uncertain of like, hey, you know, I'm used to traveling. He was in sales. I'm used to traveling all the time, meeting clients. I'm not quite sure what to do. Fast forward uh, a few months, we had a connection. He goes, he goes, you know, I've been following your stuff and it really, really inspired me to do better things because I was, I was like I told you before, I didn't have um, all this traveling going on. I wasn't really seeing a sense of purpose. I was kind of like home all the time and I was bored. And I was kind of getting depressed. And so I started learning like a new skill and I went out and I learned this skill and it turned into a lot of fun for him. And it led to some, some side hustle opportunities. And he goes, if, if I hadn't had been following your journey, I probably wouldn't have been inspired to start my own Mm. journey. And so that to me was exciting to discover about myself that like, Hey, I do have, um, a message that can inspire people. Cause I always like following other people, right? I always like right. being a part of a group and I always like supporting people. And, but I always figured I was, I was a follower, right? I was following <laughs> everybody's inspiration. I was just part of the, the momentum, but discovering that I might have some momentum myself and I might be able to be a leader and I might be able to have a following of people that I can influence. I don't have to be like, somebody else like i don't have to be like oh if i want to be a successful leader i got to mimic the rock or mimic right. uh somebody else that's inspirational like you find your own voice your own way of doing it and the people that resonate with you will find you and be gravitated towards it so that was really exciting but discovering like what 
value I have to offer that people would find useful. That's been exciting too, but it's also this, um, you know, that people call it the imposter syndrome, but it's, it's really, I look at it this way. It's like, whatever we know, we know it all, right? We, we, but we don't know, like, I don't know what you don't know. So I just assume that you know everything I know because that's like, so right. if I'm explaining something to you, you're like, well, I don't know any of this stuff. I'm like, well, how could you not know this? But right. you don't, you don't have the same experiences that I have. So you, you kind of have to like step back and realize like, oh, I'm one of the few people that's ever lived my life the way I lived it with this many experiences happen, these amount of circumstances happen and th these amount of events. And because it all, because I experienced all of it, it's kind of boring. It's not that, that exciting. And you go, Hey, I don't have a very inspiring story. You know, I didn't, you know, overcome rags to riches and I didn't <laughs> suffer great defeats and overcome battles. Like I just kind of like went through life and I showed up every day and this is and that's where I you and I have the same path. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you realize that like, Hey, that there's, there's stuff, you know, because of that, that other people don't, and you can share that knowledge and help them along the way. And so that to me is, is very enlightening of when you can realize that like hey you look at it i look at it this way it's like maybe early on in your life you just want to consume books you want to consume knowledge you want to consume education and you're just like me 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 and me i gotta gather it around so i can be this better version of myself but as you progress through the years like you realize the real value is teaching others right and i had a, a, a high school teacher that told me this um in a computer-aided drafting class, really, really young. He said, hey, if I, if I tell you how to do something, you're going to learn about 25% of it. If I show you, you'll learn about 50. If you go do it yourself, um, after I've shown you and told you, you'll do about 75% of it, you'll remember. But if you want to learn 100% of it, you're going to have to go teach somebody else. So that was his thing. If you got done with your project early, you had to go teach the other kids in the class like how to, how to get to pass you know, whatever they're stumbled on. And I was in ninth grade and there were seniors in the class and, and um, I was intimidated as hell. And I had to go tell these, these kids that, you know, uh, smoke cigarettes and went to the parties <laughs> and they're like the jocks and stuff like how to do their homework. And I was so intimidated by them, but I realized that when I showed them how to do it, I realized a bunch of mistakes I had made along the way. I was like, Oh, this is easier how to do it this way. And so like, I was like, you know, what? it's right. I am kind of learned this stuff, but it really didn't make sense to tell recently that like our experiences through life, eventually, if we're always consuming knowledge and education, there comes a point in our life where we have to give that back to others. We have to start sharing, sharing that stuff down. And so, you know, I think now I'm in a point in my life where it's like, Hey, I want to, uh, help others. I want to lift others up, but I also want to uh, still be learning and getting experience and, and growing myself at the same time. And it's it's a unique combination of getting more education, getting more experience, more knowledge, but also sharing more. And you start finding that that sharing of the knowledge uh, becomes more fulfilling than chasing personal gains. It starts being like, hey, if I if I can go out there and learn something and, and get a raise or get an extra few bucks in the in a business. Yeah, that's nice. But what's next? What's next? What's next? But if I can go and show somebody else like, hey, I can help you uh, make a connection over here. And now you're able to achieve your goals a lot quicker. Like to me, that's like, oh, that's super rewarding. How can I get more of that? And so to me, I think discovering 
the value of serving others and helping others achieve their goals have become more more influential and then it just it just pushes you down this path more of like how can i help people more have you ever heard of joseph campbell's hero's journey i've heard of the hero's journey yeah okay so joseph campbell's the guy who who coined it all um freaking brilliant and and for those who haven't read the the hero's journey or go watch the youtube video highly highly recommend it but it's the entire thought process that's what every movie's based on right you know there's a hero an adventurer appears then a teacher appears they go take on this adventure slay dragons come back and, and then teach and i think people often don't interpret that final portion of it to be the greatest lesson you'll ever learn in your life is teaching the things you've learned. It's like a meme I saw the other day. Um, the guy said, just because I can do it in 30 minutes doesn't mean you should pay me for 30 minutes. I've been building that skill set for 20 freaking years to be able mm -hmm. to do it that fast. And, and so there's a, a you know, thought process of if you're not teaching, the things you've learned, your skills, your talent. And to your point, we often forget what we've learned along the way. And as you said, we forget that others don't know the same shit that we know, right? So, so it is the greatest gift is to go back and teach others for two things. One, I think we all on our own journey at some point wanted somebody to show up and go, dude, it's this way you know, and, and really just say, here's the path. Um, but two, um, I think it's, it's that natural high most people get off watching the light bulbs go off for others as, as their journey continues and, and they start growing into themselves. And I don't know, but you know, I mean, for, for me, that's the greatest high of when, you know, you know, you've been talking to somebody, working with somebody, or they've just been following your journey and you start looking at them, seeing their successes start stacking and they start becoming bigger and their companies grow. Um, that's one of the most beautiful things in the world. So you're doing a teaching through these courses, your podcast and the likes. How are you packaging that message up so people can devour it? And how are you putting yourself out there outside of those mechanics so people can get more into you, your brand and your story? Um, well, I think that's an ever evolving process of getting it figured out. Like for me, I've always felt like how I get the message out is just verbal vomiting of like, just like <laughs> everything's just coming out and there's like, it makes no sense. Like, like, why are you talking about this, but you're doing this? And, and um, I'm trying to, to find cohesion. Like, so like, if you go on a website, the, 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 maybe the topics aren't necessarily the same, but the cohesion of it or the journey feels similar and it feels like you're on the right path. So it's like, you know, um, the, the podcast was, was the first point, right? So the right. podcast goes out and the podcast is a show about networking that's to kind of it's it's doing two things one i am out there networking i'm connecting with people i would have met otherwise uh 
through the podcast, but I'm also sharing the message of other people's stories to people within my network by having them on as guests. And so part of networking is connecting others within your network with others. So that's one way of sharing the journey of the networking. But then you go to the website and the website starts, um, you know, creating a, a, a hub for like, okay, you can find the podcast from here, but you can also find the social media journey. And now you can find the academy and the academy is part of this lessons of the B2B sales coaching stuff. And so for me, this is where I'm at. And I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't necessarily know that my, my message is cohesive yet because it feels kind of like weird is like, okay, here's this thing that's like inspirational networking and, and growth and being the best version of yourself possible in this networking podcast thing. And then you go over to the course and it's like really narrowed down niche. It's like, Hey, if you're in B2B sales and residential construction purchasing, you sell building industry materials to people like myself, here's how you get in front of buyers. And that to me is very niche down. But even though it's very niche, the lessons apply the same the same way, which I think you always say is like, hey, sales is a conversation. Conversations yep. are building relationships and trust with people. And that's really what it comes down to is just being a human being towards somebody else over and over again and, and doing what you say you're going to do. So um, I'm not sure if that answered your question. but No, I, it, I, <laughs> it does. One thing I'm enjoying the hell out of you is the, the realness behind your answers. You're not you know, blow and smoke, you blow smoke. So I, so I, I truly appreciate it. I want to talk about that buyer's journey a little bit. So, so when somebody is trying to sell to a buyer, for me, that's big boy sales, right? Because, because big girl sales, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? It's, it's, it's a multi-tiered sale. Very rarely are you going to find yourself in a situation with a buyer, a company has a buyer. And are you going to walk away from that conversation from first meeting to a contract of some sort, right? It's going to be a nurtured process. And oftentimes, from my perspective on the sales side of things, not the buyer side of things, oftentimes you wait until the other vendor to fuck up so you can come in and get your shot. And you're not going to get the full shot because somebody else has been, you know, whining and dining that person, you know, for a, for a long, long time. Um as people are going into the the bigger sales and multi-tiered the multi-zeros on the back end of deals um why do you think so many people fuck up that portion of the sales you know conversation with buyers um with the second caveat what's the stupidest thing you can do in that moment if your first time conversation with I think most people mess it up is their message is what, what, what you can do for me. Right. And, but they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't read that way, but it's, it's the same. It's like, Hey, look at me. Um, I work for this great company and we make great products. And if you use our great products, you're going to save a bunch of money and you're going to, you know, save the world. And it's like, okay, we're in business to business sales. Most of the stuff I buy, I have to buy. Like I build a, a, a house, right? So I can't not buy floors. I can't not buy sinks. They are a part of the house that we're selling. It's just whose sinks are we going to use? Whose, whose faucets? And at the end of the day, everybody's kind of at a certain level of quality or they're not even invited to the table. So, so then if you're, if you're going to get in, you're a commodity, right? We're going to pick somebody based on how well you solve my problems. And my problem 
in a nutshell is I need to look good for my boss. I need to look good for the people we're selling the products to, and I need to look good for the long-term owner of it. So if I have poor quality that I have to, you know, have fixes or you can't meet schedules or my budgets don't work out good. And you can always say like, well, but budgets, you know, low cost providers is whatever. But at the end of the day, budgets are important, but they're also manipulatable to be like, hey, the budget is what we want it to be based on the expectations of the product. So we're not always in there looking for low cost, we're, but we are looking for high quality. We're looking for schedule. We're looking for dependability. And I also don't want to look like an asshole in front of the accounting department and unwind a bunch of stuff. So if I have to unwind a bunch of stuff, then I'm going to probably just use your competitor that I don't have to unwind a bunch of stuff if you meet all the things. So when people come in just going, hey, look at me and look at how good I am, you're kind of already at like, hey, you know what? You're not really standing out with who you are. And people do that through their email messages, their direct messages. And those are the easiest to ignore because they just go in the round circular file. Well, let me jump on that just really quick because as a young buck sales guy, I, 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 mean, I can remember my first, you know, especially in commercial printing is when I dealt with the most buyers. Um, I remember going into these buyer's offices and I'd have this big ass binder of everything we could freaking print, right? And the number one thing, which I found out later was just dumb, that I wanted to do was to show these buyers all the things we could print. Well, if you've bought printing ever in your life, just like buying sinks, you already know what the fuck they look like, right? You, know, yeah. you already know, you know, what, what they have. But, but I think there's a, a lot of young salespeople, young in their career, we're so excited that we got the shot that, mm -hmm. you know, we want to verbally vomit all over them to just show them how awesome we are. But you already yeah. said the playing ground, you know, the playing field is already level. That doesn't set yeah. you apart from anybody else. I just wanted to make sure they they yeah. heard that. And and let's talk about like so you know the emails come by that are crappy, but the ones that do make it through, you have some means there, and you do take one. Like people do come in and they still. They, they go through their pitch book and they go, hey, our company's been around for 50, 60 years. But you don't yes. care. Don't care. So it's your competitors, right? <laughs> right. You know, we got these products are made here. They're made. So is everybody. It's mm -hmm. like these, mm -hmm. there's these not differentiators. But going back, I'm going to go back and tell the story about the person that came in and did sales uh, that inspired me. And, and I'll tell you what. So she came in, Cole called. Uh, got a cold, it was actually a cold email and I took a meeting and um, during the meeting, she, she gave me her pitch, right? And she, she talks about all the quality and stuff like this. But what set her apart was, is she was relatable and she was inspiring. And she also was, um, she kind of told some puns, right? And so I was kind of like, all right, this, this, she's kind of funny too. You know, she's telling some funny, funny jokes here and stuff. It's not all this serious. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of like, warmed up a little bit it's not like this cold pitch and one of the things i learned early in my career was is like hey you, you remember um bronx tale that movie the bronx oh, yeah. tale yeah. and the and the kid he's like hey that kid owes me 20 bucks and he goes chasing after him he's like hey that you just paid that kid 20 bucks do you like that kid and he's like no i hate him like then you just gave him 20 bucks and you never have to deal with him again right so one of the things i learned uh to get buyers that are like real pushy off of you is like because like oh you didn't call uh, there's so-and-so there's donnie i forgot to call him back like now he's gonna come ask me like if he got the job or not so what you do is you give them a tremendous amount of work that's going to be 
uh, a pain in the ass. So it's like, here's my pre-qualification forms. Here's a bunch of references I need. And here's like, here's a whole bunch of stuff. And if they actually want to go through the work and do it, like, hey, you kind of know that they're going to be about something. But right. if they uh, don't do it, they're not going to come knock on your door and go, hey, how come you didn't let me bid that last job? Because <laughs> they don't want to admit that they didn't do all that crap. Yeah. Dude, I so, love that. I, I, I hope you guys <laughs> just heard that because that's straight from a buyer's mouth. That is so brilliant. And I can guarantee that I've gotten caught by that at some point in my life of either – well, I mean, there was one particular bid I did in commercial printing, and we ended up bidding $15 million on the contract. We, we shouldn't even went after the project in the first place. It was bigger than our shop could handle. And, but we bid it at $15 million and dude, the hoops and things we had to go to to even be able to get to put a bid on this thing, right? was just massive, massive. And we were going to have to buy equipment and do all this stuff to be able to handle this freaking job. And come to find out the, the, the bid that won it was like $1.2 million. We were so out of the ballpark with this thing. And now hearing you say that, I wonder if they just didn't put us on it because I was persistent as hell trying to get in the door somehow and being that kind of annoying sales guy that they are like, all right, fucker, bid this, you know, just to yeah. get me out of it. It's possible, but you know, this, this is all going to kind of come full circle here in a minute. So I gave her an assignment. I said, I need you to fill out these forms and I have um, four projects. Two of them have already been awarded. Like you're not going to get the job at all, but I want to see how your numbers would shake out compared to the numbers we mm. did get. So there's two jobs that you're not going to get that definitely have already been awarded. And there's two jobs that are about to get awarded that you're probably not going to, because I'm just not going to throw out my, you know, my go-to sub just because you came in here. So basically I gave her four projects that she had no chance of awarding to bid on and a bunch of other stuff. She turned it all in, came back, pushed it all in, and it was all done. And it was like really competitive and it was a professional proposal. And um, the whole way it was going was like, this, this has a lot of potential. And what she, she was doing there is she was building trust and dependability, right? So I know if I'm going to have a problem down the road, this person's going to step up and take care of it, right? They're, I know that their pricing is going to be good. I know they're going to stand by it. And they went through like all this effort to really showcase that they are very serious about winning this account. And so this has happened a lot of times in the past too, where like somebody will come up like, hey, um, can we bid your job? Okay, you, you bid the job and they go, do we get the job? Like, well, no, you didn't get the job. You weren't really low. Do you want to bid the next one? Like, no, if we're not going to get the work, I don't want to waste my time. I was like, <laughs> if you're not going to bid the work, I'm not going to give you it. But I've told people up front, I go, hey, look, we use these other two people and you can bid it. I'd love to have you bid it. I'd love to see what you can do. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get the first job. You're not going to get the second job. You might probably won't even get the third job. But I can guarantee you sometime in the future, one of these people we always go out to bid with is going gonna, is gonna to fail. They're going to fall on their face, and I'm going to need somebody else to come in and take care of business. And you think I'm going to call the person that just gave me one bid and never bid again, or I'm going to call that person that's been knocking on the door this whole time to, to take that job. And, you know, and so the ones that do do this follow through that build this trust and show that they're going to do what my 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 need is as a buyer above anything else i need to look good right? right i need to look good for the people i report to that's all that i care about and how do you make me look good it's all that shit that you talk about in your pitch deck which is the quality of your products all these other yes. things those are the speaking of buyer's journey those are uh, the the hero's journey 
those are the things people think is the story, but they're not. They're the, they're the things that make me feel good about my decision. Those are the things I go tell my boss, hey, I picked this person. Why'd you pick them? Because they meet quality, they meet schedule, they have, they've been around for a million years. So that just kind of like just, that's justification for my decision. Um, so long story short, it's, it's these people that come in and they don't want to take the time to build the trust or show their dependability or they're just about like, hey, how can I get this work from you? Look at how awesome I am. However they present themselves, like, you know, that's going to come across as like, hey, this isn't a person that's really, I'm going to feel comfortable giving all my work instead of to my go-to guy, I mean, give it to this other person, like you got to have a really compelling reason to kick off a known outcome with somebody I don't know. So it better be a hell well, of a lot I mean, better experience. Again, I so love this because it, it, it really is looking behind the curtain. You know, I think most people go in to sell to a buyer, they're treating it like a job interview. I get mm -hmm. one shot. I better look fucking awesome on that shot. And then whatever happens after that, you know, this happens. It's, a, it's that first meeting. And what they don't realize is this is the true seven touches. Because, you know, all these gurus are like, hey, there's seven touches you got to do to get into account. Or 11 touches, whatever the fuck they say nowadays. And what people are constantly thinking is, okay, well, that's my, I, I left them a voicemail. There's one touch. You know, I left them an email. There's two touches. You know, I did this. There's three touches. What they don't realize is a lot of times, especially in the bigger sales, the touches don't start until you get that first meeting. Then it's what happens, what are those next seven moves from there before you may even get a justifiable shot? You know, so it's, are you going to fill out and do what that gal did, fill out those four jobs she knew she wasn't going to do? Is, was she going to follow up in a timely manner? Was she going to, you know, show in her work ethic and efforts what her mouth was saying her company could do, right? Was she proving that on a regular basis? And I think if most people would, would take the thought process of going into a larger deal, larger account, that those seven touches really begin once you first sit down, I think it'll change their perspective on how they do their outreaches. And, mm -hmm. and truth be told, I'm, I'm betting that her email was one of hundreds you get from different vendors and everything else. So there was something she did unique in that email address that caught your attention. And I'm also betting that it wasn't just one email that came through that finally caught for you. True? The email, the content was different, but that was the first email. It was the first that, one, awesome. Yeah, it, it was kind of like one of those things where it was like right time, right place. It was just like, um, and, and this is like truthfully like how it went out. They got this email and it was like, hey, um, I was working with so-and-so and I think the person had left the company, right? And they had recently retired. So that was, I was working with so-and-so and I was looking to find out how I could, you know, help with your bids and this and this is put like, you know, what the products were she was selling. And I was just kind of in a mood that day. I just responded back Thursday, 1030. Like that was it. Like, guys, did y'all hear that? <laughs> I just, I just, I, cause that happened to me several times doing commercial printing. You know, where you just get that random win because you made the first move of, you know, you sent it off. This guy's never going to respond to me, but I'll send it to him anyways. And all of a sudden he's like, be there Thursday at two or whatever. You're like, oh, fuck, that worked, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how it went down. And um, it took, it took, 
like it wasn't like an overnight you talk about touches like there was a lot of things that happened in there to to have like a comfort level that this was a decision to to move forward with um but it's not the only person that that's done that and i think you know sometimes people are like hey if i could just get the meeting if i could just get the call if i could just get past the gatekeeper like i'm going to go in there and wow them with my sales pitch and it's really about building friendship and trust with stuff people first. So like you might say like, okay, well, the first, the first touch is getting that meeting. But sometimes that first touch starts with, hey, I know that these purchasing people I want to get in front of attend various uh, events or they're in different, mm. you know, networking groups and stuff like that. So valid point you know, you might start going and being in those uh, places. So, you know, if you come up to me and you say, hey, I'm so-and-so and, -so and I, I have a paint shop, like, okay, that's nice. But if you're pitching me like right off the bat, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm not really that interested. I, I don't want to get to know you. Like, I'm kind of bothered by it. But if the relationship builds slowly, like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm in this group, just wanted to, you know, say hi to you, you know, whatever, just get to know everybody in the group. And then over time, you're having conversations and you're like, hey, let's, let's go grab lunch just see what you're up to not a not a pitch just like hey let's let's get to know each other a little bit better you go and you have a conversation about what you're up to who what you have in common you're just kind of talking about it and like okay well what who do you guys do work for they, they tell you like oh those are all good people and you realize that like hey there might be an opportunity and say okay let's add you to the bid list like we can we can get you in and you know it's so, all about building that trust up front what would you tell the young rookie sales guy that his boss is on his ass to get his numbers right you know you got to hit your quota you got to get uh, and i don't know if you ever see that side of things because you know oftentimes especially in those those commercial you know sales right they got a quota to hit no matter what that's what unfortunately forces a lot of people to be so cheese dicky when they come across in, in these meetings because your numbers help them hit their their quotas so what would you tell that salesperson who's got to get deals in before the end of the year? How do they approach you to expedite that conversation without jeopardizing, you know, the, uh, the long-term relationship? Yeah. Um, it, that's an interesting thing. So, you know, like we talked about, obviously before, you don't give a shit about their quotas, right? That, that doesn't, that's <laughs> irrelevant for you. Right. It's irrelevant for us. And there's like a, a lot of times there's a lot, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Like right. if you come out to me and say, I got to meet my quota by December. It's like, well, I don't got a freaking project that's going to award till February. Like we don't buy every week. We're not buying faucets. It's like, I'm going to buy 400 units worth of apartments on January. And then I don't buy anymore till maybe October of next year. So it's like, it's like a one-time big purchase. So it's, it's about fostering this relationship uh, early enough that you can get in on the bid and you can talk with your boss about it. So if you said like, Hey, I got to rush in at the end of the year and try to get a sale happening. Chances are in a big ticket item, they're not going to happen. It just, just happens to be the timing's just right. And everything's, you know, stars are aligned and that the deal's going to close and the time it's going to happen. But if you are looking to, to do that, you need to one, and say, don't wait until the last minute to start developing these relationships. They take time to do it. So, you know, you're going to want to look out and do outreach of like, hey, if I got 10 clients that I'm doing a lot of business with and I want to double my sales, the chances of me doubling my sales with those 10 clients is probably smaller. It's probably going to be uh, easier to do if I get 10 more clients, right? You double the amount of people I'm serving to the capacity I can serve it well. 
you know, you might close your, have your closing ratio improve, but it's probably not going to uh, double. It's probably going to stay at whatever it is, or plus or minus a few percent. So it's better to add more clients. And it's better to add more clients that are very similar to the clients that you're doing business with, right? And I'm not saying they do the same dollar volume or they work for the same types of companies, but they have the same relationship. Why do people work with Donnie? Like there's a certain person that works with Donnie and there's certain people that don't work with Donnie. So it's not going to do you any good to go try to work with um, a bunch of people that aren't your, your tribe because they're not going to give you the work no matter what because they're just not going to really feel connected to you. But if you can find people that you connect with really well, you're going to get more clients you like working with too. So you well, need to start... And I would add in there just to stay with your verticals, right? I mean, if you're selling to nothing but home construction, apartment construction, that would else, you know, even if they're, you should be selling all the competitors of each other in that marketplace because you're going to learn faster the the things that they're looking into. You're going to learn the the different, you know, things they buy for different quarters and whatnot. So uh, I love it. Keep going. So what you want to do is start reaching out and start building relationships with people. And like I already said, one, if you know where they're hanging out, right, then, then you go hang out in those places. So if you know that there's trade shows that they go to, if you know there's industry stuff, start showing up and start being a regular and start building a friendship. But if you don't know them, um, you know, right now, LinkedIn is probably the hottest spot on social media to, to go business to business networking, you can go on there and you can start searching for people that meet these criteria and you get a list of people and you say, okay, now I got their email list. I can put them in my spam emails and start sending them all that garbage that they're just going to love and read. Well, no, they're not going to. So <laughs> instead of sending out those 50 emails a day and hoping for the best, I'm like, find one person on that list that you can do, you can spend some time looking at what they're doing, what they're up to, uh, get to know them a little bit better. I mean, not like personally, but like, like you're doing a little bit of internet stalking, like what are they interested in? What have they posted about recently? And so if they're actively engaging on social media, like LinkedIn, it's easy because you can start liking and commenting on their posts and they're going to start seeing you as a regular supporter. And then they're going to get a little curiosity, figure out who you are. Then it makes it a little easier to have a conversation. But if they're not, like a lot of people in my industry don't post on, on LinkedIn very often, then you might need to go and find a little bit about other things about them, but there's usually a ton of information. Like if you went on my profile, you would very quickly see I went to the University of Nebraska. And if you know anything about Nebraska, you know, people from Nebraska, they like the Nebraska Cornhuskers and they're big fans of football. And they, they like, like there's a whole wealth of information. So if you know these things about me, right, now you can craft a message. There's a, a book out there called Digital Persuasion by a, a gal named Aaron King, and it's called uh, method she calls it is pub method, which is personal, useful, and brief. So if you can craft a message that's three sentences or less, it's basically takes less than 10 seconds to read that's personal, meaning it's written directly towards me. It's not spammy. And it's something that you find interest that I'm going to find like, hey, you, you, you took the time to research a little bit about me. So if you said, hey, uh, Nebraska football's pretty cool. Something to that effect. Like, hey, did you see so so and so's last weekend game? He cut that touchdown pass. That was pretty cool. Um, now I'm like, oh yeah, that is kind of cool. Um, th they've researched me. It's useful. You know, you put a little bit of information, but like, you know, you may say something not necessarily useful. Like, hey, it's useful for you that I know this information, but it's useful to me. Of like, 
you know, maybe um, did you see this market report on the housing index or did you see this report from uh, Wall Street Journal that says rents are going up or going down or, or like here's a study on what the, the best trends in pet spas are, you know, something that might be useful. All of a sudden that's attached and it's brief. Like I said, it's three sentences. All of a sudden this message stands out from the rest, right? It's like, hey, you're kind of interested. If you wrote in there something about Nebraska, like I can't not respond because I don't want somebody to think of an asshole from Nebraska that doesn't respond to emails. So all of a sudden- <laughs> There you go, guys. You, know, you heard if you're trying to sell them, Nate, <laughs> fucking just steal your email yeah. full of Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, so- it, it makes it easier to respond. You're not going to get everybody to respond, but it becomes more compelling. And so then you start a conversation. And if you never bring up what you do um, in the first few sentences, they're going to eventually ask. People are compelled to say, okay, well, that's enough about me. What do you do? And then you say, hey, this is what I do. And then that leads into a conversation. So it's about warming it up. So try to um, just build rapport with somebody, have some conversations. Don't try to do it all in one shot. This is like courting somebody. It's like dating somebody. You're, you're trying to get to know them a little bit, see if there's an opportunity to have more conversations and a good fit. And just so, kind of so go with the flow. I'm curious if I came out and, and said, you know, Hey, Penn state's better than the corn huskers in my email. Would that play out? All right. Or if I said, you know, um, if I went my smart ass route, because that's going to be, my, I don't know yes. shit about college football. I literally had to just Google who's the corn huskers, you know, rival to be able to even ask that question. Um, but, but I'm really curious how much of a smart ass, do I get leeway in those type of emails? I love, me personally, I love the smart ass. That's, that's my jam. Like if somebody puts something that you could kind of give them a little grief on, like that to me is a good intro because it'll give them a little chuckle. Like right. if you can get somebody to kind of take a break from what they're doing and go, <laughs> I'm distracted from a moment and I'm, and I'm like, that's an interesting, they will respond. So well, a lot of times, um, people put interesting stuff in their profile, like, um, you know, like you, you probably have something to do with badass in your it's LinkedIn guaranteed. profile, right? So it'd be like, hey, Texas badass, huh? Like, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. Like, you, you can't be as big a badass as this or something some of that effect. Dude, if like, you put you on know. there Oklahoma and you're a bigger badass in Texas, we're going to have a conversation because <laughs> everybody knows Oklahoma sucks. So, so yeah. but. Yeah, I, I think I think you can. I mean, you can garner a lot about how people write their profiles, like what mm -hmm. they'll respond to, and um, if they got something kind of, you know, fun and jovial in their conversations, you could usually be a little bit of a smart ass and get a response. And I, I tend to get more responses when I am reaching out to people with a smart ass little comment. I think it has to be part of your per personality though, right? I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're a dry person and you don't use humor often, I think you gotta be very, very, very careful because the wrong humor at the wrong time can destroy your relationship very quickly. Yeah. You know? um, uh, so, well, tell me a little bit about this course. Um, Cause this has been, I think a ton of value. I think people are gonna get a lot of kick out of this conversation. Um, tell me a little bit about your course and what people get out of it. Yeah, so the course is uh, B2B sales training from the buyer's insight, buyer's mind, me being the buyer. So basically, if your ideal client gave you a look behind the curtain and gave you the secret sauce on how, you know, why are your emails not get responded to? Why are your phone calls not be responded to? How can you find clients 
how can you reach out to these people appropriately? And then once you do get in front of them, like how do you understand what matters in the relationship and how do you build that relationship and how do you craft your story? Like what do you do in that meeting to uh, build a better relationship? So everything is about this process of, of taking it from a completely cold market and finding who you're trying to get connected to, warming it up to the point where you, build, you get, a, get a meeting and the meeting is the start of a relationship built on trust, knowledge, or trust, knowing, and liking them that's going to lead to, um, you know, the way I look at it is if you build this bond that just can't be broke, like if I know that you are just going to always, every single time, make me look awesome, like I'm not going to use your competitor. So right. you're going to get locked in. And if you can do that repeatedly, you're, you're going to be unstoppable because you're never going to be able to get your, you know, kicked out for a few bucks here or there. So it's just kind of taking this process from cold to like solid, solid relationships with your buyers. Brilliant, man. Where do people find out more information about the course? Uh, right now, easiest place to go is natepeo.com. That's N A T E. And you let me say your no name wrong this entire show. I kept saying Pio and it's Peo. Man, you didn't even correct me once. You were just going to let me go. <laughs> well, it, it, 50% of the time people get it right or wrong. And then, you know, if you bring attention to it, sometimes it, it's. Oh, dude, I've got a fucked up last name that nobody can ever pronounce, man. I, I just listened to Donnie and then something begins with a B. Yeah, so, <laughs> so nobody ever gets bovine right. So, so it's, it's, it's a smart-ass thing I've just learned to, to be okay with. So, yeah. So, so but, anyways, natepayo.com, there's a tab for the academy. Um, and then the podcast and all of my social media connections are right there too. So it's the easiest place to go is natepayo.com to get connected. And, and who's doing all your headshots right now? Because you've got a whole bunch of different pictures you keep putting in the marketplace. And I'm like, that motherfucker's trying to do glamour shots. <laughs> um, there's a guy uh, I met through my local gym. Um, his name's Chris, and, and his, his Instagram handle is SemShots. I can plug it. But we did a couple photo shoots with it, and he, he came out with some really cool stuff. So yeah, I just he does. have this, this stuff I recycle through. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I would, I would suggest anybody that's looking to like kind of put themselves out there more for like finding a local photographer to just do a fun shoot. You're going to get like 20 to 30 photos that you can like reuse, repurpose. And like you, you don't run out of like, you know, cool stuff to put up on the internet. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, brother, this has been a hell of a ride. I knew this was going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for really letting us get behind the, the buyer's mindset. Um, I'm telling you, I'm still a little pissed that you weren't around when I'm back when I was selling commercial printing in particular, because I could have used some of this damn knowledge. So well, um, you're ready to go back. Oh no, that's point. never happening. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. That is an industry that that you know you don't ever realize how much you don't like something until you get out of it. You know yeah. that that's that was definitely one of those industries. So here's how I like to wrap up every episode, and I do stump some people. So get ready for that. If you were going to leave the champions around the world entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, and people that are just trying to kick ass and take name in life. If you were going to leave them with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. 
I would say don't just aspire to make a living, aspire to make a difference. I think when mm -hmm. you go from just trying to get by, try to make money, try to be about yourself, you're not going to make a difference in the world. But when you start looking to how you can serve, how you can influence, how you can change other people's lives, you're going to make a huge difference and you're going to be able to uh, change the world that way. Brilliant, babe. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've enjoyed the hell out of this conversation, man. It's been fun getting to know you. It's fun to watch your journey unfold. Fucking keep kicking, keep, I can't talk. Keep kicking ass, dude. Um, uh, I love having running partners, so, so keep going for it. Awesome. Appreciate it. those those conversations that just completely get you to dive in deeper and think about how to reframe something you were thinking about man she is is awesome and i enjoyed every minute of that guys come hang out for more conversations in our facebook group head on over to facebook up in the search bar type in success champions Click on groups and you'll find us. We'll be right there. Over a thousand small business owners from around the world who are collectively rising, networking, and growing their business. You will not be disappointed. The highest engagement of any group that I've been around in is absolutely amazing and awesome. So come hang out with a bunch of badass business owners in the Success Champions Facebook group and share this out with somebody who needs to hear these words uh, and and people that need to be inspired, touched, and, and learn something new about how to grow their business. Talk soon, guys. Love you. Later. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals. Go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.